When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This seems a little bit loud, huh? come. Anyway, whatever. Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday, assuming I'm not sick and dead and dying, which was the case last Monday, even though I could have done one on Tuesday. And I'll admit, the day just kind of got away from me on that one. So, uh, yeah, have a little bit of catching up to do, but still, I'm at it again, and I'm happy to see or hear from you all once again. Oh, yeah, and this is part of the Fans First Sports Network. Shout out to them. And also, uh, shout out to the social media, at the MF and KC, that's me, or at Royal Deluxe Pod, that's the podcast Twitter for other baseball commentary and other general things, I suppose. Just kind of blowing through this intro, because like I said, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, because we don't have just one series to recap. We have two series to recap. Actually, I'm not going to recap the series all that much more just make some generalizations of something that have of some things that have happened over the past week because again this was a very very busy week for the Royals despite the fact that they had an off day this week and there's also some stuff that I want to talk about uh, in regards to the future of the Kansas City Royals something that I've been really looking forward to uh, talking about. So first of all, let's do roster news. We've got a big, a pretty big roster update. There were a couple of moves that were made over the last week. Uh, maybe the biggest one is that Michael Garcia is now up in the major leagues. Once again, we have been waiting for this for so long. We have been asking for it. We've been demanding it. We've been a lot of people have been saying Michael Garcia should be. Um, on the opening day roster, and the Royals were like, no, we want to let him learn other positions in the minor leagues to give him some more utility values, give, give him some more versatility, which was fair, and then they just like totally did not do that at all, so uh, he's up finally playing third base, primarily, it looks like. Uh, that's all they've played him at so far, but I'm fine with that. However, it did come at a cost that we don't necessarily like, and it's that Nicky Lopez has hit the 10-day IL with appendicitis. Oof. Um, yeah, wish for a speedy recovery from Nicky Lopez because I think that he's really nice to have around. Another update is that they brought up Freddie Fermin, he was optioned a while, like a week ago or so. Like, I think the last time we talked, uh, I think the last time I did this podcast, last Friday, I mentioned the Freddie for, that Freddie Fermin had been optioned to AAA in favor of Nick Prato coming up. So he's, Freddie Fermin is back up, and the Royals optioned Franmil Reyes. I'm not going to lie, I did not know they could option Franmil Reyes. I did not know that was on the table. I had just simply assumed that they couldn't because he was a free agent kind of guy. I know he uh, he's still technically only in his like second arbitration year, so I know he's not like a veteran veteran, but still, I didn't think that they could just drop him into the minors. Um, so that makes me feel a little bit better about having Franmil Reyes uh, on this roster for now. I still believe in his upside, but admittedly, yeah, it's been looking rough, so... Good on the Royals for optioning him and, um, yeah, calling Freddie Fermin back up. And there's actually a pretty big thing for that. I guess I should get into this right now. Um, but, yeah, one of the, the key reasons why they brought back Freddie Fermin is because, according to manager Quattrero, a.k.a. manager Q, uh, he said that MJ, MJ Melendez is going to be starting in the outfield almost exclusively for the near future. And he said that this is to simplify for simplify for simplify things for him. I cannot read my own handwriting uh, as he improves offensively, gets back on track offensively. Um, yeah, I have literally been saying this for like a year at this point. I guess it's nice that they're finally doing it like. Ugh. <laughs> 
Like, like I've been saying this whole time, I'm like, MJ is doing too much. He has to catch and play the outfield. Like, what are you doing? Just let just just let someone else play catcher. He's not even MJ is not even a very good defensive catcher. I understand that he's improved this season, and I appreciate that. I respect that. But I've been saying the entire time his ceiling defensively is not very high. So why even bother? And so yeah, even though MJ has improved defensively, he's still not all that good defensively. Uh, and his bat has way more potential in there. Finally, the Royals have gotten the memo. I don't know why it took them this long, but better late than never, I suppose. But whatever. So, okay, great. We're finally on the same page here. And then also, Austin Cox was called up. He is making his Major League debut, or rather he did make his Major League debut on Thursday. And in exchange, the Royals sent down Jose Quas, which is which was kind of an inevitability, I think. I talked about this before. I don't see a whole lot of potential with Jose Quas. I think the main thing that Quas offers is just a weird delivery, but I I mean I haven't I'll admit I haven't actually looked at the the like how his pitch is grayed out on like pitcher list or or, or whatever. But I don't but just kind of looking at him, just kind of like just, just passing the eye test, I suppose, if that's a thing for pitchers. They just don't look very good. They don't look very threatening. So I think that once once hitters kind of get over the weird delivery that Quas has, he's not all that um, difficult to hit against. And I think that's kind of shown this season. So I had been saying a while ago that Quas is probably just a guy that he, that the Royals are going to call up and down uh, over the over a couple of years, just whenever they need him, and then you know they're gonna realize he's oh he's not that good anymore. He doesn't have a lot of uh, quality to him anymore, and then eventually they'll just put him on waivers or DFA him, and then we'll never hear from him again. Kind of like uh, Brian Flynn. Would that be a good comparison? Um, and I and I, and look, I don't say that to be you know mean or anything. I don't say that because I want that for someone. I I, I like Jose Quas personally. Got a great story. Um, he was great last year, and I felt like he did deserve to be on the roster starting this season. But, yeah, I, I kind of think that's um, his fate, at least going forward, unless things really change for him. But, hey, here's hoping that would happen. Because, again, I like him, and I'm rooting for him. But sometimes I have to bring unbiased takes to the show. Um, although I could be biased. I could continue to be biased because this is my show and I get to say what, what I say on it. Anyway, um, Austin Cox was not on the 40-man roster, which is worth noting. So the Royals had to make a big 40-man roster move right there, and they did. They sent Chris Bubich to the 60-day IL. I don't know why it took them this long to do this. Chris Bubich has been injured for a long time at this point. I mean, not a long time, but at least a week. But still, like, again, I said this last week. I'm like, why is Chris Bubich not on the 60-day yet? Uh, but, okay, whatever. Austin Cox, by the way, is one of the many pitchers that were drafted in the 2018 draft. So he comes with the Brady Singers and the Jackson Kowars and the Daniel Lynches and etc. He was a fifth round pick. And so, look, don't expect anything like crazy from him or anything. But so far, uh, his career in the minor leagues has been all right. It's been pretty respectable at AAA uh, he's pitched 172.2 innings to a 4.38 ERA. This is over the course of, of a couple of seasons. But it's not bad. And, and I say it's not bad because I genuinely mean that. I'm not even trying to be nice because, like, you might think 4.38 ERA is not that good. But number one, it's better than a lot of the pitchers that we have on this roster right now. <laughs> and, 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 and B, um, <laughs> the Pacific League... Sorry, not specifically. Uh, the International League that that uh, AAA Omaha plays in is a very high-scoring environment. So the, the 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 league ERA over there this season is four point nine three. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, God, I got a, I got the hiccups now. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to put myself on the IL for hiccups. And I'm going to make a preemptive announcement or prediction, I suppose. Because, unfortunately, Kyle Isbell left Thursday's game with a left hamstring strain. That is what the Royals have announced. So that is pretty much likely or guaranteed to be an injured list stint. 
which is really unfortunate because Kyle Isbell was seriously warming up with with the bat, and I mean he was he was still doing what he does defensively, which is fantastic. So Kyle Isbell was really looking like he was getting hot, and then this happens. So that really sucks. Um, I have heard rumors that Nate Eaton is going to come up, so I'm just going to be be confident in saying that Nate Eaton is going to be up. I mean, given the the trend that the Royals have gone in, they haven't really tried a lot of new guys so far this season and by new guys I mean like guys who haven't already played this season like for example I think Dyron Blanco has been hitting quite well in AAA Omaha so far but I don't think the Royals are going to play him right now because they've already seen Nate Eaton and they kind of already have they, they have more confidence in him I believe and for what it's worth Nate Eaton has been hitting 304 in AAA so far with a 385 on base. I mean, only six games, so really small sample size, but still, it, it's something. There's something there with Nate Eaton. Hopefully, Royals think that Nate Eaton is ready to, to get back going again. Hopefully, you know, the, the small stint in the minors was what he needed to, you know, get going again. Kind of give him a, you know, mental refresh, you know? So that does it for roster updates, uh, and since that this this hasn't happened, since something that I have asked for hasn't happened yet, let's bring back our exciting new segment that we debuted last week. Where in the world is Tucker Wade Bradley? I don't want to talk about it. All right, well, since we've last spoken, the Royals have played six baseball games, three against the Minnesota Twins, three against the Baltimore Orioles. And over that stretch, the Royals lost six to eight, won three to two, lost four to eight. Then against the Orioles, they lost seven to eleven, won six to zero, and lost ten to thirteen. Yeah, this was a, a a high high stakes, explosive game right there. This actually had a quite a lot of highlights, so um, it was really hard to just, to pick one for the deluxe moment. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you this one. Um, this one was a. Uh, this one was a little bit weird. Let's, let's, just, let's just play it. If it's a great bunt, everybody's safe. And There's that's exactly what happens. Isbell lays it down, runs to first. He's safe, and Garcia scores right on cue. And the Royals tie the game in the bottom of the seventh. They've come all the way back from down seven to tie the game at eight. So this one was weird because this is the play that Kyle Isbell got injured on after running to first he immediately knew he pulled something it's not good he was taken out of the game after this and so because it kind of has that negative connotation i was thinking ah, maybe this shouldn't be the deluxe moment for this week but at the same time i kind of didn't want to go with another bobby uh highlight or i didn't want to go with like sally because you know they're always around and we, we know that they're always going to be doing great things but i feel like the team in general has really improved over this past week or so, at least offensively, it has improved. I mean, you can look at read the scores again: six eight six eight three two four eight seven eleven six zero ten thirteen. Sure, the Royals. Sure, the Royals may have gone two and four, but they averaged six runs per game over this. So there were lots of highlights to choose from, and I just thought, you know what? I want to highlight someone that I haven't highlighted before, and also, this was a really, really big moment, because this tied the game after the Royals were trailing by seven runs. So, what's really awesome is that not only are the Royals scoring more runs, but they're doing so even when they're behind. I guess I should actually hold off on this commentary uh, a little bit after I talk about uh, <laughs> this moment, because it was supposed to be one particular moment that I was highlighting. But uh, yeah, just a, just a great moment from Kyle Isbell getting this really great bunt in a kind of unexpected situation that, you know, scored the game, tied the game. It was, it was just a smart play overall, you know, sucks that he got injured on it. But I, I, what, what can you do about that? And also, this was a seven run comeback that Isbell himself 
contributed to by hitting a solo home run earlier in that game. He got his first home run of the season. So that's why I was like, it's like, it really sucked that to see him get injured because it's like, wow, he had one of his best games, maybe his best game of the season. And then this happens. And it's like, are you, are you kidding me? It, it's, it's always something with this team, isn't it? And, you know, one thing goes right and you're like, wow, look at this. And then you, you, you just get your heart ripped out. So I don't know how long, or rather, I don't know how severe um, Isbell's injury will be. Maybe the Royals will announce this hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, Hopefully Kyle Isbell Isbell is only out for a couple of weeks, but it could be longer. You never really know with some of these things. So Uh, speedy recovery, though, because, again, I I really want to see him back on the field because I really do think that he was improving. I think he was getting better, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. So the Royals, yeah, they had quite a quite a week. Lots of runs scored, lots of runs given up. So like I said, they scored 36 runs over the six-game period. If you're good at math, then you know that is six runs per game. However, of course, you might be saying, okay, you know, offense is doing well. We'll talk about the pitching. Yes, of course. Uh, the Royals gave up 42 runs over the six-game period. That is seven runs per game and that is definitely no bueno and it's funny because the Royals had a shutout win in in this six game period so the Royals gave up 42 runs over a five game period more like because one game was just a shutout um, Zach Greinke pitched this game, and Zach Greinke's look. I, I know things can get ugly with him, and yeah, maybe this really is the end for him because he's definitely not looking super great right now. And, you know, and last year we were saying you know he had this stretch where he wasn't looking great, but we could say okay, well, he he's injured a little bit, so that's one thing. Maybe this time, maybe this time he is actually just that old. Yeah, a little sad, but at least he's following a similar pattern to last year, which is where he's not good on the road at all, but he's really great at home. So last year, his his home ERA was 1.91, crazy enough, believe it or not, but his road ERA was 5.32, which is much less good. Meanwhile, this season, his 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 home ERA is 2.82. Great. That's pretty good. His road ERA is 9.22. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, completely unusable right there. And maybe even more unusable is Jordan Lyles with his 13 ERA over his last two starts. Because li- literally over his last two starts, he's pitched nine innings and given up 13 runs. I don't know why. Why? 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 Jordan Lyles, you have literally one job, and it's to eat innings. And you can't even do that for us? Come on, bro. I, I don't know, dude. I don't know why like he, he was suddenly so bad over these past two starts, but it definitely sucks. Um, but the thing is, I'm not too worried about these guys because, look, even if, they, even if they're terrible, the one thing that comforts me is that they're not part of the future. All right, It, it matters little what Jordan Lyles does, in my completely honest opinion. And this Thursday game, you know, it's, it's kind of exemplary of what I feel about this team overall. It's like, yeah, it, look, it, it sucks that we lost. And it definitely sucks that, you know, Jordan Lyles pitched so badly. But which would you rather see? You know, a great game from Jordan Lyles or uh, uh, while, the, while the offense does absolutely nothing or a game while the, where the offense completely goes off. And, you know, the, the biggest issue is Jordan Lyles. That's that's basically the thing. Like if Jordan Lyles is our biggest problem, then I don't think we have that big of a problem. Jordan Lyles is only here for a couple of years, maybe one if we, you know, act aggressively enough. But he's not someone that we've drafted. He's not someone that we even spent a whole lot of money on. Like, yeah, okay, $17 million for two years. Look, I, I keep saying this. No one else was going to come to the Royals for as much money or less and be, you know, better than Jordan Lyles. Because that's the other thing that people always complain about with Jordan Lyles. Like, oh, we, oh, we spent this money on him. It's like, okay, well, we needed some starting pitcher. Who was going to be as good or in some way as reliable as Jordan Lyles? 
as in, you know, hasn't been injured a lot over the past couple of years and was going to pitch for the Royals, a bad team that is that doesn't really look like it's going anywhere in at least a year, probably most likely two or three years, and would be, you know, even remotely good or anything like that. I don't know. Nathan Eovaldi? Why would he come here? He's been pitching on competitive teams for the last 10 years. Why would he want to pitch for the Royals? Tyler Anderson, he's not much better, and he's getting paid more. Or a bunch of guys that have been injured, like Drew Drew Smiley or uh, Trevor Williams. You know, like like we didn't we didn't sign Jordan Lyles for upside. We signed Jordan Lyles because he throws innings, literally. That's it. He 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 he's a guy who doesn't get injured and he pitches. That's what we really needed. Yes, I get it. He hasn't been good lately. Rather, he hasn't been good this entire season. Let's let him pitch against some bad teams, and then hopefully his numbers will go back to, like, slightly less than mediocre, and then we'll, you know, call it a day, and he'll have fulfilled his purpose. You know, I'm fine with it. Stop freaking out about it. I mean, who else was going to pitch? Again, not even just not even talking about free agents anymore. Who else was going to pitch for the Royals? Who do you think in this minor league system is ready to pitch in the rotation right now? Besides Austin Cox, I guess. But, but again, Austin Cox is here because Chris Bubich just got injured. We're still waiting for Daniel Lynch to come up. There are not a lot of options that we have right now. So that is why we signed Jordan Lyles. Building a pitching staff is kind of like uh, managing injuries in a sort of way. You're, you're essentially predicting injuries. Like you, you literally expect injuries to happen, severe injuries to happen with a pitching staff because it's just a volatile position. Guys get injured all the time. So that's why you get Jordan Lyles, a guy who does not get injured while pitching. I get it. It's not He's not good. I'm not really defending Jordan Lyles or trying to say he's a, he's a good pitcher or anything. Because I, I understand. I understand why people would be mad at him, I, I suppose. I'm, I, I'm just saying, you know, most important thing, Jordan Lyles is not part of the future. He's just here to help us out a little bit, help us get us through some games so that we don't throw out some other random guys in the minor leagues who are somehow even worse whether be, whether because they don't have the talent to pitch at the major league level kind of like Jordan Lyles does admit it you know to a slight extent or because they're just straight up not ready to pitch in the in the minor in the major leagues right now anyway rant about that sort of over although I guess there are there's maybe a bigger issue with this rotation right now and it's that Brady Singer is bad question mark What's the deal with Brady Singer? I don't know. I wish I had an answer for this. I ask I ask this because I really want to know. Someone please tell me what the issue with Brady Singer is. Why is he not good? His last start was so weird. When was it? On a... Well, I'm not going to think about it too much. But the point is, he threw two scoreless innings, and he looked fantastic. He looked like good Brady Singer... Once again, he got that late movement with his pitches, the the kind that, you know, it looks like it's going outside of the zone, and then boom, last second, it just dips back in right over the plate, and then hitters just look at it like, oh, I'm stupid. That's what he was doing for two innings, and it was fantastic. And then third inning was just the inning of hell, <laughs> an inning that never ended, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and it's like, w- why? <laughs> why is this happening? I don't know, dude. But let's focus on some better things, a positive development that is occurring with the Kansas City Royals right now as we speak, something that I have been waiting for. I feel so good about myself. I feel so smart for saying something that was probably really obvious to a lot of people, but it doesn't matter. I've been saying that this was going to happen. I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting patiently. Even Even when it's been taking a little bit longer than usual, I've been holding steady, saying, you know what? This Royals lineup is going to get better. It is going to start hitting. And sure, I got frustrated for a little bit thinking, okay, the Royals aren't really, you know, improving their chances very much, not doing much to, you know, improve their chances. But finally, over this last week, I feel like we're starting to see that progress, that offensive progress with these guys, and maybe even a little bit before that. But I want to highlight these last six games in particular, because again, They're the the games we haven't talked about yet so far on this podcast. Over these last six games, the Royals have hit 298, which is the fifth best in baseball over that span. Uh, They're not getting on base as much as I would like, but they're also slugging 540, which is seventh best in baseball over that time. And usually when you hit and you slug, you tend to score 
more often than not, so that's all right. Actually, they're on base is 363, um, which is still fifth best in baseball. Their walk rate is 14th, so 8.7%. Hey, that's actually an improvement, though. The Royals currently have the worst walk rate in all of baseball, so if over the last week it's actually been 14th, and that's that's good. Okay, never mind. I take back my complaint. I have zero complaints right there. And what's really good is that this team, this is a team-wide improvement. It's not just, you know, a couple of guys getting hot. Because, of course, we've seen, you know, Vinny hit well over the entire season, and Vinny is still hitting really well. But I've, I've written down seven guys who had particularly strong weeks um, over the last six games, including Vinny. Vinny is on here. Vinny is hitting 308, 379 with a 577 slugging this uh, past week. Five extra base hits with seven RBIs. So not only does Vinny have like a 900 OPS for the season, but he is coming in clutch, which is kind of what we expect Salvi to be doing. And Salvi is doing. Salvi over this last week has hit 364 with a 400 on base. He's actually he's walked twice, which, you know, for Salvi, walking twice in a week is a huge accomplishment. With a 909 slugging. 909 sl not no not OPS not OPS 909 slugging he has hit four home runs in just these last six games his OPS is 1309 yeah okay look we know who these guys are we know who Salvi is we know who Vinny is Vinny is Vinny is consistent Vinny is him we don't have to re re even really talk about him all that much aside with great reverence Salvi is a very, very streaky kind of player. He is going to have some weeks where he is one of the most painful and cringeworthy hitters to watch in your entire lifetime. But then there are going to be those weeks, maybe even those months, maybe even a season or two, where he is one of the best hitters you have ever seen. He is absolutely glorious and majestic. And that was what he did this last week. He was amazing. But again, those two guys, we know who they are. We're, we, we know what to expect and what we're getting from them. There are other guys who, you know, maybe we have some question marks about them, especially these other two that I really want to talk about. First one is Michael Massey, because I've really been railing Michael Massey on this podcast. I have not had a lot of nice words to say about Michael Massey over the last month or so. And I'll admit, I am still shocked that the Royals have not done anything with him. But maybe, maybe they might have a point. Because Michael Massey over the last six games has hit 250. With a 400 on base, Michael Massey is taking walks. He has finally started taking pitches. In fact, he would probably have an extra walk, but there was one that was just taken away from him by an umpire. Horrible umpiring right there. Sucks to see. It was right before his first walk of the season. So he might have had a game, or he rather, he could have had a game where he drew two walks at once. Or not at once, but he might have had a two he might have had a two walk a game is what I'm trying to say. And but instead, because we're the Royals and we can't have nice things, it wasn't meant to be. But still, he 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 really has shown a legitimate improvement so far over this last week. Yeah, he's, he's still striking out a bit. He struck out six times in the 20 plate appearances that he's recorded this last week, but still, he's hitting, he's getting on base a little bit more, and he even had an extra base hit on Thursday. So, uh, man, maybe I was wrong. Maybe the Royals have a point for keeping Michael Massey around. I mean, look, I knew that Michael Massey was going to improve, but I just didn't think it was going to happen, at least not in this way. Like, he, he, like really, this last week feels like a dramatic improvement for him. So hopefully he keeps this up at the very least. And the other guy that I've also kind of run out of nice things to say, or, yeah, I've kind of run out of nice things to say to this guy, Edward Olivares. I said, like, a week or two ago, they might as well just cut cut their losses with Edward Olivares, put him on waivers, maybe keep him in the minors if you can, but if not, then like don't worry about you know, another team taking him because I don't really know what the upside for Edward Olivares is anymore. Well, this past these past six games, he's hit 333 with a 429 on base and a 667 slugging. He's walked twice and only struck out twice. Edward Olivares is turning on the bat. Okay. Uh, okay, Edward Olivares. Maybe I was wrong once again. Maybe the Royals were once again right in keeping him around. Um, he still has the hand-eye coordination of an elephant in left field, and it's 
miserable to watch that, but I mean, if he's going to hit, then at least there's something there, right? I guess this will be one of those things where I say, like, I'm not, like, super convinced Edward Olivares is, like, you know, a guy we should really invest in and keep around for a while. I mean, we should keep him around for longer because obviously he's hitting right now. I'm just saying I, I don't know if I really buy into whatever upside he might still have. Maybe because maybe maybe if he could defend, maybe if he could field literally anything whatsoever, I would feel a little bit better about his offensive improvements. But at least for now, at least for now, I will hold off on saying more mean things about Edward Olivares. Great job to him. Credit where it's due. Really proud of him. Happy for him. Nick Prado since he's come up, has is hitting 391. Now, this is obviously just a super small sample size, but still great that he's just kind of hit the ground running since coming back up to the majors. Uh, so, yeah, 391 with a 462 on base. He, strike, he struck out 10 times, which is still way too much. Uh, that's like half the time right there. Um, but at least he's walking a little bit, and he got an extra base hit. So there's something there. At least he's looking a little bit better, hopefully. And Bobby Witt Jr., also had a well you could say he had a good week depending on how you look at it he was actually pretty solid defensively this last week which is nice um, with the bat he hit 214 with a 267 on base but a 464 slugging that's what I really want to highlight yeah Bobby Wood Jr. hasn't put the bat to the ball a lot but when he does he has been dealing a lot of damage with it he had four extra base hits over this over this last week including one triple and one home run. So Bobby is, he's hes doing something. He's at least onto something. And also Merville Jr. Melendez, who was finally taking out, taken out of the catcher position, has been hitting 280 this last week with four extra base hits for a slugging percentage of 520 over that time. So there was something that I wanted to, uh, like, research for further this last week but it's pretty much invalid now um but one thing i noticed that was really really funny is that all of mj's hits so far this season were um they were all to the right side which is to say mj melendez had not had a single opposite field hit all season and i was wondering if that was worth taking more of a look at i was going to dive deeper into this but then this last week he started hitting stuff into the opposite field, so it is now invalid. Actually, I say that, and I looked at it. I thought he had multiple hits in the opposite field. It was only one, it was a, it was, and it was a double, even though it went 410 feet. <laughs> Thanks, Kaufman. Um, I don't know. Basically, the point that I wanted to make is that MJ Melendez is Joey Gallo. Does anyone have any questions? Send them to me at, at royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. All right, um, but anyway, yeah, so that's seven guys that I've written down that have really good weeks. And five of them are guys that we are, you know, hoping to improve two guys that we already, you know, kind of know what they are. Of course, there are other guys in this lineup that we know what they are and they didn't have very good weeks. We are not going to talk about them for obvious reasons. Um, but, but that's just a really great thing from the Royals overall. The fact that it's a team-wide improvement on the hitting, the fact that it's multiple guys, especially guys that we really had, like, like guys that whose expectations could not be lower. Michael Massey and Edward Olivares. My expectations for these guys could not be lower right now, but they had great weeks. And this is not even including the fact that Michael Garcia and Freddie Fermin have absolutely balled over the last couple of days. So, sure, I mean, some of these guys, you know, like Prato, maybe even maybe even Michael Garcia and Freddie Fermin, you know, they're, they, they, they might just be having some really hot stars or some hot stretches. But still, the fact that it's nine players, nine hitters on this team that have shown progress, shown improvements over the last week. The, they, they had a better week this last week than they did the week before. And that's what matters. That's what that's what's important. Nine of them did that, and I think that's awesome. I've been saying this entire time. I've been saying the Royals' offense is going to get better. It's not as bad as it really was in April, and I think the signs are finally pointing in that direction. And I think they're going to continue pointing this direction because we are finally out of our long national nightmare of playing against good teams constantly. I want y'all to take a deep breath and pat yourself on the back because you did it 
you you got past the month of hell. The Royals have been put through the ringer this past month. They have been playing good team after good team after good team. There is only one team that they have played so far this season that is below 500. And it's a team that they beat two games to three in a series. Finally, that insane, ridiculous stretch, it, it, it's over. It has finally ended as of the Baltimore series. Now we're kind of looking at a nice downhill straightaway. We can essentially cruise the entire rest of the season. I mean, we're going to still face good teams every now and then. But the bulk of our tough schedule, it's over. The website that I use, and I see a lot of other people using this website as well to determine strength of schedule, PowerRankingsGuru.com. It says that the Royals have had the second most difficult schedule in all of MLB so far this season. The first most difficult schedule actually goes to the White Sox. Funny enough, the Royals, meanwhile, have the fourth easiest schedule for the entire rest of the season. So now that we're out of, you know, the, the, the really awful part of this season, what we have going forward, j- just to the all-star break, okay? This is all the way to the all-star break. We have three games against Oakland, four games against the White Sox, who are terrible this season. They're almost as bad as the Royals somehow. <laughs> and then three games, that, that, that's going to be the rest of the, the homestand. And then we go on the road for three games against Milwaukee, who are winning their division in a, in a weird, actually, no, they're not winning their division. The Pirates are winning that division. I don't know what's going on with the NL Central this year, <laughs> but, the, but the, the Brewers are good. The Brewers are fine. And the Padres, uh, three games against the Padres, who are not off to a great start this season, but they're, you know, respect them. Then three more games against the White Sox, who I do not respect. They suck. And then three games against the Tigers, three games against the Nationals, two games against the Cardinals, who are awful so far this season, three games against the Rockies, three games against the Marlins, three games against the Orioles, three games against the Reds, three games against the Angels, three against the Tigers, four against the Rays, three against the Guardians, three against the Dodgers, three against the Twins, three against the or four against the Guardians, and three then oh and then that's the, that's the all-star break so maybe like right before the all-star break the season will the the, the 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 schedule will heat up a little bit again but essentially for the next two months we don't have to worry about a whole lot or actually let me let me shorten this to just the next month the next 30 days we have the brewers and the padres that is it those are the only remotely good teams that we have to face Oakland is terrible. Southside is terrible. And we play them. We have we have two series against them. Detroit is terrible. Washington is terrible. St. Louis is terrible. Although I don't know how long that's going to last. Maybe they'll be better when we play them. And then Colorado is terrible. So if there's a time for the Royals to actually get themselves back on track and show and, and prove to everybody that they're not as bad as they have shown so far this season, this would be the time. I'm not going to make any promises, you know, maybe maybe the Royals really are as bad as we think they are. Maybe the Royals, you know, completely and fully deserve to go 8-24. And keep in mind that me saying that the schedule is getting easier does not mean that I'm excusing them going 8-24 over this past month. Although this last week wasn't too bad for what it's worth. You know, they went 2-4 and four against good teams. Um, you know, and, and at least something happened. You know, I, I pointed out all the hitting because at least the hitting is doing something. Uh, we went from zero hitting and zero pitching to some hitting and zero pitching, which is progress in some direction. But anyway, I'm not trying to excuse the Royals for all the things that they have done wrong this season. Believe me, I have had many criticisms over the past month within this podcast. But I am saying that this is an opportunity for things to get a lot better. I'm kind of playing the odds, so to speak. I think that there's a good chance that the Royals can get off to a pretty good stretch of the season right here. I think if nothing else, it'll really show who this team is. If this team does, you know, really take advantage of this, you know, really easy spot of the schedule for the next month, you know, like if the Royals for the next month or so actually 
let's let's just say they go 500, okay? They don't even have to play all that well. Let's just say they go 500 for the next month. I think that'll show that this team is, you know, a lot better than it what it showed over the last month. That it wasn't this, you know, completely miserable, completely hopeless team that, you know, isn't worth watching whatsoever. If the Royals, you know, go less than 500 over the next month, then okay. Okay, then we've got some real issues. <laughs> we, we This is like, that's when I'm going to actually start to, you know, take whatever issues we've had seriously. Or That's when I'm going to start to take seriously whatever issues we've had over the course of this season. That's when I'm actually going to start to buy into like, okay, this is what this season is really looking like. So far, I am not saying this season is lost. I'm not saying that the Royals should, and by lost, I don't mean like, like, obviously, the Royals aren't going to the playoffs. The Royals aren't going to have a winning season. But like I said, I said 76 wins this season. I said that was my expectation of them. They can still hit that. They st- they totally still can. Although it doesn't even matter that much. Basically, I just don't want the Royals to be completely terrible this season. So far, they've been completely terrible. But they can correct that. They can rectify that. I haven't been freaking out over the 8-24 and record because I have been able to come up with, you know, some defenses for it, some excuses for it, not justifying everything that has happened so far, but I can at least forgive them for some things, all right? I'll, I'll for, I forgive them. I forgive the Royals, but what's important is that they make up for it. It's time to make up for some of the, some of the, the, the lost games that we've had this season, for, for some of the, the really painful things that have happened this month. This is the time for the Royals to make up for it, for them to show something for themselves. If they don't do that, Okay, I will start to be a little bit more upset. I will start to acknowledge that maybe there are some bigger issues that maybe I have blissfully ignored. But for now, I'm I'm going to remain optimistic and I'm going to think and I'm just willing to believe that things are going to get better because already I'm thinking that things are getting better. And in my humble opinion, there's no reason to believe that things aren't going to get better going forward. Just my humble opinion. You don't have to agree, and you are you are completely justified for either not believing that or just thinking that this is still way worse than it should be, or that you know you're just you're just unhappy about the Royals in general. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. If you heard that, I totally understand that. You're you're completely justified in thinking that. Even Vinny said that. Vinny, like this last the last couple of days, he had this interview where he was like saying like, yeah, fans shouldn't come to the ballpark if they don't want to because we haven't been playing well and we haven't given them a reason to come out here. And it's like that kind of, you know, humility that he showed was really great. Let's extend Vinny. Let's let's do it. I was a little bit hesitant at first going into the season, but you know what? Just do it. Just do it right now. Let's make everyone happy by signing Vinny because guy deserves it. Maybe that's something we can talk about in uh, the near future. Maybe that that could be a different podcast discussion. But instead, I want to move on to the future once again, where we are opening a three-game series against the Oakland Athletics. Oh, boy. The Oakland Athletics are currently the worst team in baseball, so much so that they might not even exist in a few years there's a lot of drama with this team and how their owner has pretty much confirmed that he wants to get the F out of there and move to Las Vegas, which would mean that Oakland is now, which would leave Oakland without a major league team after the, uh, after the, uh, the Raiders moved to Las Vegas and the Golden State Warriors moved to San Francisco. The, the athletics are the last bastion of sports in Oakland. And yeah, that would be pretty unfair if they left. They have a stadium that has gone back and forth with renovation plans, not even renovation plans. They've they've wanted a new stadium for a while, but that hasn't really happened yet. Even amidst the the playoff run that they had in the late 2010s, early 2020s. But I don't know. It just seems like whatever whatever progress Oakland tries to make with the A's, the owner is just like, nah. He seems like a, a bit of a bummer, if you ask me. And so, uh, yeah, right now the Oakland Athletics—they are six and twenty-six. Ouch, that kind of sucks. So, who are we going to see today? Well, actually, before I, we talk about the pitching matchup, I want to just briefly mention Brent Rooker because a lot of people are freaking out about this guy. So, Brent Rooker. 
played for the Royals very, very briefly last season. He had 29 played appearances in total. He was a midseason acquisition for Cam Gallagher. And I've even heard some people say like, oh, we wasted Cam Gallagher for this. I hope you understand that Cam Gallagher actually had fewer plate appearances for the team that he was traded to than Brent Rooker did for the Royals. Because I know we like maybe thought that Cam Gallagher could be something, like he could be some kind of trade piece. But um, actually, when we traded him to the Padres, the Padres, I think, put him in their minor league system and then DFA'd him like a week later. He literally did not play for the Padres, so we didn't waste Cam Gallagher. They did. Someone else did. I don't really know what the deal was with that. I I have no idea. But in any case, we had Brent Rooker for a very, very brief time. Uh, He had 29 plate appearances, didn't do anything with them, hit 160, didn't look like anything was going to come out of this, so the Royals, I think, waived him, and then, you know, Oakland decided to pick him up. Okay, you know, this happens a lot. This happens to a lot of guys in baseball. Except it just so happens that Brent Rooker is now hitting 316 with a 429 on base and nine home runs so far. He has an OPS of 1100. 1112 to be specific. And if you go to Brent Rooker's baseball savant page, it almost looks like MJ Melendez's, where all the like. So some of the good stuff is in like a, a deep red. Like he he's pretty top of the line in exit velo, but also in expected stats. So expected batting average, expected slugging. He's like top of the league in that. So it's not even like he's getting super lucky with the batted ball data. It almost like it's almost like he really is just hitting that well while also walking about 15% of the time. And it's big it's been a big point of stress and concern for Royals fans where they think, "Oh my god, Royals did it again. They they let go of this guy that they didn't really give a chance and now he's mashing for another team." And in a way I can see why people would think that, but I also still kind of call into question whether or not this will last. Like like, like let's let's actually see if Brent Rooker is going to last, basically. Admittedly, the expected stats and all that, they do look better than what I would have uh, expected. But also keep in mind that every year, there is always some completely random guy that breaks out in the in the major leagues that you've never, ever heard of. Yermin Mercedes, Akil Badu, Aristides Aquino... Frank Schwindel, even. Remember when Frank Schwindel had, like, the best month ever? And then nothing ever happened ever again after that? Or even for the pitchers, Jacob Junis. Everyone was freaking out this time last year about Jacob Junis because he looked super good. His ERA going into, like, June was 2.5. Wow, amazing. He ended up finishing with a 4.4 ERA. And so far this season, it's at 6. So maybe Jacob Junis wasn't actually fixed like we all like we were all worried about. I don't know. This this is all to say that I don't actually know if I really take Brent Rooker's breakout all that seriously. Would it have been nice for the Royals to, you know, take advantage of this one month? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would prefer to have Brent Rooker over Jackie Bradley Jr., I suppose. Except what if Brent Rooker isn't really as good as he's been hitting so far. He just had one particularly great month. What if, how about this? What if Brent Rooker was someone like Ryan O'Hearn? Because remember when Ryan O'Hearn came up in 2018 and he mashed like 12 home runs in 40 games and it's like, wow, Ryan O'Hearn, he looks so great. And then the Royals kept him on the roster for five years after that. (laughs) What if that were to happen? What if Brent Rooker isn't as good as he's been so far. What if pitchers figure him out and then he, you know, falls back down to earth and is, you know, not very good afterwards. But then what would the Royal, would it, would it still be fitting for the Royals to keep him around for like three years afterwards? Because, hey, remember that one really great stretch he had? Wow, super cool. Oh, dude, maybe I'm just talking nonsense right now. But in that's kind of how I feel about the Brent Rooker breakout so far. I kind of feel like it's nonsense. I don't blame the Royals. Like, like, like seriously, the Royals should not be blamed for letting go of a corner outfielder bench DH kind of guy who's 28 this season. 
He broke out somewhere else. Okay, is that our fault? Or did this guy do something? Did the A's do something in particular that we couldn't have known about? I don't know. I don't worry about it too much. I don't get stressed about it. I'm not taking it all that seriously. Um, you know, credit to him for, you know, being as good as he is right now. Cool. Um, I'm just not going to worry about it. I don't, I'm not thinking about it too much. That's my opinion on Brent Rooker. I just feel like mentioning that because a lot of Royals fans are talking about this guy right now. And I'm just like, I, I, I honestly don't care enough to have much of an opinion on it. Just remember lots of guys break out randomly and then don't turn into anything whatsoever. Also the Royals have, uh, not the Royals, the A's also have uh, Richard Lovelady. Funny enough, he's actually their best pitcher, probably. Uh, he's pitched 7.2 innings so far with a 2.35 ERA. So, that's not bad. Except he's not striking guys out and he's walking guys. He's, he's almost walked as many guys as he's struck out. Four walks, five strikeouts, and 7.2 innings, which is not particularly good. But, eh, we'll see. Hope, I hope he does well. Brent, you know, someone deserves to do well on the A's because the A's are 6-26 and 26 and miserable right now. And also, also they've got Asturi Ruiz, who is a guy that another uh, other people have been freaking out about. He's another guy that Royals fans have been freaking out about giving up because he was in our system for like a year. He was an international sign, signing guy. We treated him when he was 17, mashing in rookie ball for um uh it was the Padres trade that got us Trevor Cahill what was it what was that guy's name Ryan Buchter and uh Brandon Maurer I it's been so long I forgot these guys' names <laughs> almost um yeah he was a, he was part of the Matt Strom trade basically um so we gave him up and it looked like he wasn't going to become much of anything and then last year he suddenly stole 85 bases in the minor leagues uh, <laughs> I I don't know, but um, so far this season he's stolen 13, which is leading the American League. Uh, he's hitting 265 with a 338 on base, despite the fact that he's only walked four times. He's been hit by nine pitches this season so far. He's been hit almost in 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 almost in more, no in more than 25 percent of the games he's played. This season, I don't even know how you accomplish that. That seems extremely dangerous, and I would not wish to do that. But I don't know. It's, it it gets him on base, and he steals bases. So that's what he does. So cool. He's a really interesting player. I'll admit, I kind of wish I would have him right now because, again, he's really interesting. But I don't know if if uh, he's going to continue hitting. No one seems to think that he's going to be all that great of a hitter steals a lot of bases though so that's pretty cool anyway biggest issue that the a's have right now pitching their team era is 7.37 wow yeah uh they do have one good pitcher who we will see in this series but it is not the first two that we are facing the first one we're going to see is kyle moeller 6.28 ERA in 28.2 innings pitched so far. Um, so far, his career has been pretty underwhelming. Just hasn't been much of anything. Although, he actually, actually, I say that, even though he was a top 100 prospect, according to Baseball Prospectus, for the last four years, although no other prospect ranking has had him in the top 100. Don't know what's going on there. Anyway, he's a he's a four pitch mix kind of guy. Great fastball and great slider, and a pretty good curveball as well. But pretty much zero command, or maybe not zero command, but uh, walks have been a big issue with this guy so far in the majors. He's had a five walk per nine rate. Uh, that's probably not how you actually say that, but whatever. And that's been kind of his thing throughout the entire minor leagues. Four walks per nine across literally all levels in his career, including the major leagues. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how he's gotten um, his 6.28 ERA so far this season. That's how he's been struggling so far. And also, he's only struck out six, six and a third batters per nine innings. So he's not even getting guys out a whole lot. He has a whip of 1.9. 1.9 walks and hits per inning 
Definitely not a sustainable model right there. Speaking of unsustainable, we've got Brad Keller pitching for the Royals. Now, Brad Keller is very, very interesting. His ERA is looking great so far. 3.56 in 30.1 innings. He seems like he's the one good starter that the pit that he, he looks like he's the one good starter that the Royals have this season, except his walks and strikeouts are the same number. 24 strikeouts, 24 walks in 30.1 innings. That sucks. He's currently leading the American League in walks, so hopefully he gets those down. That would be nice. That would be ideal. So that's Friday's matchup. Saturday night is going to be the Lorenzo Kane night. Lorenzo Kane is going to be back in town, back at the K, I believe, playing for one day even. There's going to be a big, huge ceremony. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I am not going to be there because the Royals decided to charge opening day level prices for this game so they can kind of... Um, uh, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say what I wanted to say right there, but in any case, I'll watch from home and it'll probably be a lot of fun. Happy to see him again. Hope he's doing well. And uh, hopefully it'll be a great game from the Royals. Hopefully it'll be a great game from Brady Singer, who, as we've talked about already, has been awful so far this season. 8.49 ERA in 29.2 innings. Um, yeah. Would really like for, for Brady Singer to get back on track this season. That would be pretty cool. He's been super up and down so far this season, but hopefully he will be more up than down on Saturday. Meanwhile, the Athletics are going to bring out Ken Waldichuk. That is a wild name right there. Um, he's a he's another borderline top 100 prospect going into this season. And yeah, I kind of thought I, I like I've heard of this guy for a little bit. And I thought he was supposed to be good so far this season. He has a 7.26 ERA in 31 innings pitch. So I don't know what's going on with these uh with these pitchers in in Oakland right now, but definitely not a uh, very good. He's another four-pitch mix kind of guy, but a lot more solid this time around. Just good fastball, good slider, eh, curveball, really good changeup. Oh, wait, don't throw those to, to Bobby Witt Jr. He loves hitting changeups for some reason. And pretty good command. So, yeah, he seems all right overall, but for whatever reason, he's been getting hit around at the Major League level. Don't know why. Maybe we'll find out on Saturday if the Royals hit him around a lot. Or maybe he'll throw like a complete game shutout. I feel like there's no in-between right there. And then on Sunday, the Royals are going to send out Ryan Yarbrough. Oh my god, can we stop this, please? I hate watching Ryan Yarbrough pitch. It is not fun. Oh my god, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like where this is going. Ryan Yarbrough, two starts, although nine games overall. 20.2 innings pitch, 7.4 ERA. Man, he's so bad, you'd think he'd pitch for the Oakland Athletics. Ha 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 ha! Laugh track, everybody. Laugh track. Um, and then the Athletics are going to send out Mason Miller, who is their one actually good pitcher so far this season. Fifteen point one innings pitched, three point five two ERA, and he is he made his major league debut this season. I think on opening day. Even no, not opening day. Okay, never mind. There's someone else who pitched opening day that I had no idea who it was. Doesn't matter. Um, point is, he's off to a pretty solid start for this season. So good for him. Oakland deserves to have something, <laughs> including a baseball team. He's actually on Fangrass's top 100, although just barely at number 98. Uh, great fastball, great slider, great changeup. Not great command, but I mean, he's he's still got the stuff. So he's got he's got something. He's got weapons. He throws hard, and it seems like injuries have been more of an issue than anything else. So far, he's striking out 10 batters per nine, still walking a lot of guys, 3.5 per nine. But still, his, his overall expected numbers are looking pretty solid, 2.52 FIP. That's pretty good. Oh, and he has not given up a single home run this entire season. That's also going to help. And it's going to help him a lot that he he's going to be pitching in Kauffman Stadium. I'm sure he's going to love that. Well, I hope Ryan Yarbrough doesn't completely crap the bed like he seemingly always does on Sunday because I would like to win more than a couple of games against Oakland. Please. We deserve to, we deserve to sweep somebody. Can it at least be Oakland? I don't know. 
just uh, don't lose this series at the very least. That would be embarrassing. Then, then I think I don't think I'm going to have to. I don't think I'm going to show up on Monday if the Royals get swept. I think that would just be the end of it. I think I would have to concede everything I've ever said and be like, "Yep, you know what? All the doomers are right. Burn, burn it all down. Uh, sell the team. Move to Portland, Oregon, or wherever. Move to Salt Lake City." That's what. That's a thing that's going to happen at some point. Salt Lake City is going to get an MLB team. What a what a joke. Anyway, whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Actually, for real, like, we'll do a podcast on Monday. I'll see you guys on Monday. We'll talk about this A's series. Maybe talk about some other things as well. I'm going to keep talking over on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's the podcast Twitter or my own Twitter at the MF in KC. And other inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave a five star rating or a review. I would really appreciate that. It would help me out a lot. But even if you don't do that, thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day. And I hope you have a good one or are having a good one because you, just like Oakland, you deserve to have something nice as well every once in a while. See you guys on Monday. I'm, until then, I'm Lux. Go Royals. Yeah.